week on the sounds of the rising i am sitting in conversation with lucy kutsukraya i did ask her how to say her name properly we had an interesting conversation about it too because she said that she's not even sure she pronounces it right based on how her husband's family have pronounced it for for a long time but they recently learned that that they say it kutsukreya so hopefully i've said that right lucy i originally came across lucy via my friend ranya actually i've got as you all know very very into foraging in the last nine to twelve months and my friend ranya mentioned lucy's instagram page which i've linked up in the show notes and I started following her she lives fairly locally to, locally to me she's about an hour and a half away from me and it wasn't actually you know you start following people on on Instagram and you don't really their feed doesn't show up on yours but then I was in the forest recently in the pine forest and I was texting with Rania while I was there about pine trees because me it it was in fact in a group with me and Rania and another friend of ours Emily because we are very interested in pine needle tea at the moment it's really really effective for supporting the immune system and it's it's effective or supposed to be effective in supporting you with exposure to various things that people are injecting themselves with at the moment not really sure how to say that so I I will you know a lot of people are very interested in pine needle tea at the moment but you're not confident necessarily of the source so how great to forage it yourself so Rania told me to go and check out Lucy's page because Lucy'd given a great example of her out walking and foraging and finding pine needles so I went and looked and I just really loved her energy so I'm really excited to share this conversation with you Lucy's story is really touching and and really yeah very interesting a very interesting reason to get into what is now a big passion of hers I know that I'm really looking forward to going out foraging with Lucy um, later in the spring. So enjoy this conversation. Maybe feel inspired to get out there yourself. But for now, just enjoy the words. So it's really nice to have you here. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you for coming. yeah i i've explained in the intro how i came across you and uh actually i really um felt your just so you know i really felt um your energy and wanted you in this space when you were doing the pine needle yeah oh really yeah it was just such a you had such a beautiful energy about you as you were doing those stories and it was i was actually in the woods it's funny oh, right because I already followed you and knew of you and wanted to come to some of your events but I was in the woods 
and there's woods near us that is mainly pine which I was so excited to find because like I hadn't found an area like that yet and there's obviously some mushrooms that are more inclined to grow in those those areas um and I was asking my friend like how do I know which kinds of needles are the ones that are safe that we can have and she was like oh go and look at Lucy's stories <laughs> so I was watching you in the woods and I was like oh wow like I just really That's had a nice feeling That's we awesome yeah we were together in the woods you didn't know it but we were <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's absolutely amazing. Technology just opens so many doors now, doesn't it? It really does. It really <laughs> does. So it's so it's so nice to have you here. Um, so at the beginning, I always ask the question, like, what's led you to being the woman that you are today? Now, you can go as deep as you want to. You know, it really is. It could be from birth. It could be from like five years ago. Whatever it is, but yeah, the experiences that you feel are, are really profound in your life that have led led you to who to who you are and, and your passions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've actually been like thinking more on this lately because I've been getting asked that question since I started this. And I've always been aware that my answer hasn't been the whole story. And I, there's some kind of been some blocks there. And recently I've just uncovered one other block and it came up again when we were just before we started recording this talking about sustainable food systems. So like there's a few different things really, I guess, that I attribute to what what where I've been kind of brought to today. Um, and it's generally a mixture of trauma and love. So because I think if you have a bit of an imbalance with those two things, you can go in all sorts of different directions. And I think the reason I've got to where I am is because I've had a really good mix of trauma and love and compassion and support. And it's kind of been a really good balance to help me see both the, the bad in the world and the good in the world and have that hope and that knowledge that we have the power to change. And having people in my life as well, like I won't I won't mention any names because I'm due my period and I'll start crying. <laughs> I won't get it out. <laughs> but people in my life who are very strong characters, who are very um loud and sweary and like but really standing up for people and standing up for what they believe in no matter what anyone thinks of them that's what I think of them and that and I think wow I'm actually really glad I had those loud sweary people in my life because they gave me that kind of warrior woman that sits inside of me a day even though I've got this timid little mouse part of me, <laughs> I have got that side of me as well and I'm really grateful for that side of me. So I think like my entire journey is what's inspired what I do today from kind of my path of growth that I've been on and all of my mental health struggles and my physical health struggles. So like, as I was saying, we were just talking about kind of foraging and, and kind of um, self-reliance. And, you know, I think a lot of people really felt that when COVID did hit and maybe for the first time for some people, because that's the first time they've ever gone without food. Well, it wasn't the first time for me. So that's why I got into this quite early. And I do actually, this is that other layer that I've recently kind of pulled away is that 
I did live in poverty and I did go without from a very young age and I had to be on my own doing that and I actually think that is what in what got me looking at how can I rely on myself how can I create more sustainable food systems so that I don't have to go through that again and then also it was you know I've always been very interested in well-being and pulling myself out of like these all of that mental health and poor mental health and poor physical health I always wanted to do that and I did start off on like antidepressants and antibiotics and all of these other things that we get from the the doctors they they kind of helped to a certain extent initially but then there was a there was a cutoff point and then I, I I just kept getting ill again and nothing ever really went away and and I would get frustrated with that so I started to do more research and my, what my research kept kind of bringing back to me was natural methods, because actually, when you look at the massive list of uh, side effects that come with all of the things that I've been taking and then compare them to the side effects of the natural things that I was pulling up in my research, there was a huge difference. <laughs> so I was like, well, I've got nothing to lose here. So I started exploring more natural healing uh like nettle teas and things like that and I would start foraging and to my surprise and I was really surprised as well because you know you read about these things and you go well I'll give it a go it might might work it might not they actually worked really well and I was like wow you know hang on a minute I went to the doctors I used to go to the doctors all the time with um like water infections and they would just give me antibiotics and then I'd be like God, I keep reading about these antibiotics, they're not good for us. But not once did any doctor ever say to me, actually, before you try those antibiotics, why don't you just go and give some of these natural remedies a go and see if they work first? And then if they don't, we'll go down the antibiotic route. Because as it turns out, every time I have tried a a herbal natural remedy since then, I've always got rid of my illnesses. I've never needed antibiotics since. I was trying to figure that out. How long ago was that? It was about 11 years ago. I last took antibiotics. And that's not to say there's never been anything wrong with me since. I've had little infections. But then, you know, the more I went down this path, the more I learned about the different herbs that could help me. Things like vitamin C, which is just an absolute wonder, miracle. Like, no, people do not talk about vitamin C enough. It is amazing. And actually, a lot of the green plants, weeds that we pull out in our gardens are packed full of vitamin C. You wouldn't think so, because we kind of, I think we associate vitamin C with fruit. And we just think that's the only place we can get it from. A lot of the green plants out there have got more vitamin C than oranges. So it makes sense that they're going to heal our infections. So, yeah, it's like a huge journey and everything's just gone up for me. You know, everything's improved for me. Um, It's not been easy. It's been hard. It's been tough. There's been a lot of growth and a lot of work put in. But eventually I've got to this wonderful place where I'm happy to be alive. I wake up happy every day. Um, I can see the beauty in the world, in my family, in my relationship, in life, really. And I think it's just such a good place to be. And I just want to tell the world, you know, I want everybody else to know that it is possible to heal this way. And that, you know, to be empowered with that knowledge as well, because we're all brought up with this idea that we have to turn to other people to make us better. Other people know what's best for us. And it's not true. Nobody knows us like we know ourselves. And we have all the power that we need inside of us to do the work ourselves and figure it out for ourselves. So yeah, that's kind of a 
roundup of how I got to this place. It's amazing. That's really just an incredible, yeah, place to come to and, and to have that feeling of, of waking up, like you say, every day, just feeling all that joy. Do you feel like... I, I was speaking about this with another lady um, who's also experienced quite a lot of trauma in her childhood and she's quite strong strong on on her views around coming out of it um there are two like pools of, of possibility really there's people like you and her that use it and and grow from it and there are some that will just like wallow in it what do you feel like for you was the catalyst or, or as part of your personality maybe can you come back to can you can you pinpoint like why you as a person has used it in the way that you have to to create such a beautiful change in your life I think it comes to I mean I've, I've learned a lot about brain development as well I'm just I've got so many hobbies <laughs> and that is one of my big hobbies I know that it's not people's fault and I think a lot of it comes down to if we've known certain things in our life and I have known empathy since a very early age so even though I've been shown a lack of empathy from people who um, I was learning from growing up I also had some key people in my life who had empathy and showed it to me from a young age and I think that makes a huge difference I, like for example my grandma she was the most gentlest empathetic loving you know that energy that you feel from people as a child where you just like you just have to be in the same space as, as them and it feels soft and warm to be around them that was the energy that my grandma gave off all the time she was safe she was loving and she just yeah I just felt safe with her and she was so she had so much empathy for me like for example, I used to I used to wee myself all the time, which I've since actually learned it's pretty typical for kids who've had trauma. And I'd get told off for it all the time as well, you know, like oh, I'm Lipsy, you know. And it used to, you know, put the fear of God into me. I'd be like, oh no, I'm gonna get in trouble again. And I'd done it at my grandma's house this one time. And I always remember her giving me a big hug and saying, Shh, don't worry about it. I'm gonna pop these away. I'll clean them. I'll get you some fresh ones and we won't tell anybody. It's fine, don't worry. And it was just that, oh, like that kindness, you know, that kind act that somebody's looking out for me. Somebody's wrapping their love around me and making sure I don't get hurt. That's, that was just like, you know, that's something that always sticks out in my memory. And then just going, when I've like kind of reflected back on my life, there's always been key people who, when I've been in my like deepest struggles in life, like my lowest point where I felt like I had nobody there'd be that one person who was there to show me empathy and love and like this is what we do in situations like this you know and then I suppose that's just why I became that person as well who just wants to be that person for the people too you know it's like people just need love people just need compassion and empathy and that's what pulls them out of that those dark places that they get themselves into but if they never see that how can they possibly learn it how can they possibly know it exists if they never see it and I think that's what it comes down to personally <laughs> yeah that, I mean that's it's so beautiful like that it's these odd you know people don't necessarily think about how their actions will impact on other people <clears throat> for the negative for sure but also for the positive you know just those small acts that perhaps would in some ways I don't know who they were in every instance but 
you know, insignificant to them in the moment. There's just who they were as a person and they, you know, they were empathetic and they were a loving person. They showed that to you, but it has that huge impact. And, and I don't think we, we think about that enough. Like I certainly, um, you know, will purposefully like stop and like tell someone that what, I love their dress or like, you know, like purposely really like look at someone and then smile and, because I I have had the situations in my life where something quite small has actually had such a huge impact on me and the fact that you are you have experienced that which by the way is actually quite interesting is different from the other woman that I spoke to who Mm -hmm. admits she admits openly that she has no she she really struggles to empathize because I, I think probably because of her experience as a child but it was other things that it was almost like a uh a force in in a different in a like a, a more kind of like I've got to get out of this kind of like force that came for her but I love that I love that that's your experience and that's your reflection as to why you know why you you're in the position that you are today just those people obviously your grandma is a huge model in your life and but maybe some of the others I don't know but were just fleeting connections absolutely yeah I've had like people who have stayed in my life for so many years as that person or just like come in for a moment and that's and that just gave me what exactly what I needed they knew what I needed in that moment and yeah yeah like if it wasn't for those experiences I feel like how could I possibly know how to do that as well um which proves you know we just need more of that spread that (laughs) yeah 100% like it's that's so beautiful really beautiful really beautiful Mm. thank you for sharing that like it was you know I'm glad well I'm not glad you did cry feel free to cry (laughs) <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with crying but you know when you try and talk about things you yes. hold it back can't it yeah no, totally like, I, I love a good cry so I'm here for a cry <laughs> so you might you may not want to talk about this but you you spoke a little bit about some blocks it may have been before we started recording but you spoke about some blocks then that were stopping you from perhaps exploring we were talking about we might as well talk about it we were talking about my experience of foraging recently and as a vegan how I've kind of realized that I wouldn't be able to get sustenance from just being out there and you know finding weeds by the way I love the fact that in Australia they they don't actually really call it foraging they call they they refer to it more as as weeds don't they like edible weeds that's what they call it we, which I, I've noticed because I'm doing a lot of research for, for my program that I'm doing and I've got some Australians there and every time I look for like foraging it's I struggle to find on Google but when you look up edible weeds for Australia it's like more of a thing yeah but you refer to them as weeds as well and I I kind of I love that because weeds are <laughs> a negative thing aren't they and then suddenly you've got this like really positive connection to them but um yeah we were speaking about how I realized yeah that you wouldn't be able to get the sustenance and that perhaps you you know you would we we would have for sure actually eaten some animal proteins you I I don't know if you're if you're willing to repeat everything you just said but you spoke about just to remind you you spoke about like 
the hunter-gatherer kind of relationship um, between men and women and and then you went on to speak about your own feelings around veganism and you had that kind of block around death and I'm, I'm interested for that to be yeah, let's, see if I can, let's see if it'll flow out like as well as it did last time okay so yeah so um I'm not vegan now I'm I, I have more of a focus on uh localism and organic um because I feel that's it's what we need to bring to the world is balance and um and to be more local I think not enough people actually like I see the vegan movement is movement is really taken off and I love that it's encouraging people to be more plant-based I love that but there's certain aspects of the like commercialism of it um and consumerism of it that I really hate and I hate that I can go to a coffee shop and I can get almond milk but I can't get organic milk so I think it, I think it's more about balance for me and I did become I did become a vegan at one point just be, as I just had my first child uh, a couple of years in I think I was pregnant I'm trying to remember the exact time but basically uh, Maya when she was born she was born with um, allergies she was born with a dairy allergy then a soya allergy which was really annoying because I started off going oh I'll just have everything soya oh no I can't Basically, she got to like two and a half and she just wasn't growing out of it. And she was still really like she was getting really traumatized every time like she had a reaction. It was just awful for her. Had really long lasting impact on her emotional health um, and mine. <laughs> um, and yeah, we were just at that point of going vegan. And then I, I, I signed up and I paid for this really, really good course it was quite expensive, but it was the best money I've ever spent. It was worth getting skin over, you know. And it was basically heal your kids' allergies course. And it, they had all these amazing world health leaders, like, in on it, like, who had contributed with videos and little mini courses and information. And what came out with that course was that um, bone broths are really amazing. Organic food is what we need to be focusing on because actually it's the pesticides and it's the chemicals that are really causing these allergies, um, as well as everything else like antibiotics and you know all the toxins and everything else. So I did that. I went, right, let's strip it back. We're gonna be skinned, we're gonna go organic. <laughs> so we went organic and we were skinned, which again pushed me into this kind of foraging because I was like, I need to get something for free because I'm so skinned. So I started foraging more and um growing food and things like this and yeah we started doing bone broth some sauerkraut and all the rest of it fermented foods and she grew out of her allergy and that at that point when we did all of that um we got her on the dairy dairy ladder successfully we got her to the top of the dairy ladder we were like oh my god this is amazing and we still don't have she just still doesn't have a lot of dairy you know like she'll have it in her diet but it's nothing's heavy because again for me it's about balance a lot of our diets are most of our diet is plant-based but we still have we'll still get organic chicken from Riverford we'll use every part of the chicken boil the bones we'll get the giblets in there and we we nourish ourselves that way as well so yeah when I did all my research I've realized that actually what our ancestors did for the most of human existence our ancestors were hunters and gatherers we were terrible hunters. We were really bad at it. So we didn't get a lot of meat. We did forage for shellfish and seaweed and all the rest of it. And every now and then we would get the odd bit of meat and fish and we would use everything. Um, nothing would go to waste. Everything would go back to the earth. 
um, and everything would be used for health and nourishment. So I realised, you know, like just literally going back to our roots is what we need to be doing, because that is where balance lies. That's where healing lies. We will heal from that and our earth will heal from that as well. So that is my focus. It really is. And then also I did a lot of work as well. I think I mean, this is what I mentioned, too. So, you know, on my own growth path, I came across shadow work and I started, I did a lot of shadow work and I reflected back on that point when I, I was wanting to go vegan and I had this huge fear of like, um, the damage we were doing to animals we were killing animals and all of this and I and I was really scared about that well, actually when I, when I went through my shadow work I realized that I had a lot of fears from my own trauma about hurting people because I'd been hurt and I I know people who have been hurt and I've seen that myself and so there's a lot of fear of not wanting to be abusive and lots of little things came out of that and also during the shadow work I, I actually healed this huge fear that I had of death as well so I had a really big fear of death it was causing a lot of anxiety for me and after the shadow work I actually became really comfortable with death um, and following nature you know because when we follow the life cycles of nature we realize that death is a huge part of it and without death we don't get new life without you know we don't get the the, the fertilized soil that comes from everything dying down and nourishing the soil and the the roots as well are also nourished and get to grow bigger and deeper and um the provide more beautiful growth from what comes after that so there's all of these little life lessons that I've learned and I'm, I've become really comfortable with death now and I know that death is a part of life but actually what we need is to make life as beautiful as, as, as possible for all creatures on earth, all plants, all fungi, everything that exists, just to, you know, allow people and animals and plants the most authentic lifestyle possible, what was always meant for them, to live wildly and freely as possible. And I think that's my goal really now. Yeah, it's, it's I, I really resonate with everything that you said and that's why I wanted it repeated because <laughs> it you know it's so it's it's like my experience I, I was explaining to you that I was you know I became vegan again three years ago I've had period like long periods of being vegan and long long time being vegetarian from the age of 15 I became vegan again because I didn't want the energy of death in my body and you're actually the first person that's reflected back on me about like well what just at literally as you're talking like why is that is that because death's a bad thing like is death a bad thing you know that that's something that I'm now going to yeah sit and think about more yeah. so I really appreciate that I really appreciate that because there is actually a lot of beauty in, in death and mm. I love how the universe brings these messages at the right at the same time I'm actually hearing a lot about death and the beauty of death I lost a really close friend of mine exactly two years ago and there actually was a lot of, she was only 28 years old and it was incredibly sad, incredibly sad, heartbreaking, but there was a lot of beauty in the, in the process as well that emanated from her and her experience. Yeah, it's, it's really something to reflect upon and I really can't, you know, I, I now can see that it's not natural and it's so interesting for me as well to hear you say, which again, I've not heard anyone say before but it feels very true to me and and has come into my own sort of thought process around this you know if I was going to send Josh out there now to catch something he wouldn't be very good at it <laughs> and is that just because we've not learned like we've unlearned stuff or is it just mm -hmm. because 
you know we're not we're not lions you know a lot of the yeah we're not we're not we're not we're meant to be able to do it yes we need to you know to top us up a little bit but uh I don't think we're meant to be we're just you know we eat like lions now don't we the amount of meat that goes in our bodies now we're not we're not meant to eat that much so that's it so it's like what's happened is the two extremes it's like we've moved towards we're moving I think engineered by corporate corporations and and this government and all the okay. powers that be were yeah. being moved into this processed veganism kind of way of being because there's more control for them in that space and then the other extreme is like I'm seeing some people now which again I've never encountered before but some people that are like 100% carnivore and I'm like really like they're they're ex- exclaiming that that's healthy and I'm like really like you are really yeah. not like a, a wild beast so we've almost got Mm-hmm. Well, obviously that's really extreme the carnivore thing but even just normal normal ways of eating normal in yeah. commas is huge amounts of animal products not enough plants and actually where we lie naturally and this is something that I am realizing just through the process of being more connected to the earth I mean I was already way more connected than the majority but being more connected through growing my own food through foraging which you know I really now in a minute want to talk yeah. about what you actually do mm-hmm. but it's it's re- it's just coming back to what's instinctive and it's really that's what we all need to come back to is is those, those instincts so on that note talk to us about what you do like I'm really interested to hear it just coming out of your mouth as well because <laughs> I've not heard you explain it before so I'm very excited to hear <laughs> I think I find it hard to even answer that question when people ask me because there's so I just go with the flow all the time. I've got like my core goal or goals, um, which is, you know, bringing people back to themselves, back to each other and back to the earth. I am a, I'm a community organiser. I don't know if you know that I trained to do community organising a couple of years ago. Was one of the most life changing things I've ever done. So what like, does that always, mean? What is the, what is a community organizer? I didn't even know what it meant when I first started. So like, I knew I was an activist because I like stand up for the rights. I did it when I was breastfeeding and became a breastfeeding activist, and then like all sorts of things really like political and things. I just get this big sense of just injustice, and I'm like, right, I have to fight for that. But then I went on the community organizing course, and it just it taught me that. Um, one of life's biggest problems is that there is a lack of community now because we're not living authentically anymore so we we actually live to serve capitalists really now instead of each other um it's not how we were meant to live at all and but originally again going back to like for the majority of human existence we lived in communities we lived very closely with other people we all worked together we all had our roles total opposite of what we see now where you know there's a huge issue with people feeling lonely we have a lot of loneliness now um we have a lot of separation and we have a lot of people who feel like they don't belong. I don't know if anybody follows Brene Brown, but a lot of people who get that sense of not belonging somewhere. And a lot of that comes down to the fact we don't have community as it should look. 
And so that like kind of brought me back to like what we read again, going back to our roots, you know, like, so we need to go back to our roots with our food. We need to go back to roots with birth, breastfeeding and community and all of this lot. And um, every time the answer was just back to our roots. So when I went on a foraging to course to teach foraging it just popped up on my Facebook one one day like as an advert and I was like yes I need to do that so again made myself skin (laughs) really suffered for a few months so I could do this thing and then like I went on the course and they did the business part of the course and I set it up on the day and I just knew straight away I wanted to be called wild roots foraging because it was just all about getting back to our wild roots um and that has been my core ever since so like I just get new ideas coming back from this how can I do this how can I bring people together how can I get people how you know to connect with the land again to connect with themselves to heal themselves to do all of this and so I'm just constantly having all of these little ideas so from that I mean I started doing my wild foraging walks wild food walks but by September I'd pretty pretty much decided that I wanted to do wild women walks instead not instead but that was like the majority of my business now I still do wild food walks for anyone listening (laughs) I'm coming down (laughs) so I went out one day for a walk and I I haven't lived in Gisborough very long actually it's beautiful here I pretty much just moved so I was still exploring um the hills and things and my sister was really really ill she had cancer and I wanted to find something to help her and I'd read about Fly Garrick and some some things that might support her there. Our ancestors used them for back, back problems and she was in a lot of pain with her back. So I was out looking for Fly Garricks while I was out. Can, um, can I just stop you really quickly yeah. there? So most people won't know what a Fly Garrick is. Sorry. Most, <laughs> pe- most people will also, and, and I did mm. um, until recently, consider them poisonous. Mm. I think there's something interesting in that that maybe we should get into Absolutely. later. Like the, the the stories we've been told around wild food. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. yeah, I would love to do that too. So, just to explain, yeah, you go ahead and explain what it is, and then carry on with your story. Mm. So, fly garrick is it the beautiful red mushroom with the white spots? Amanita muscaria. It's the one that we see in all of like the children's books and illustrations and things like that. And yeah, as you mentioned, it, it's it's something that a lot of people stay away from. Um, we have this weird thing, this weird idea now that anything red in nature is poisonous. It's so not true. <laughs> like, look at rose hips and hawthorn berries and red currants and like you know, there's like plenty of things that are really good for us that are red the difference is is when we were more connected to the land we knew it inside out these were these plants and fungi and everything like that they were our friends they weren't weren't just like you know we see them as something's completely separate um, but they were literally our friends and we knew them so well we had stories and wisdom passed down the generations for thousands of years about all of them and all of that's been lost now. Well, a lot of it's been lost, not all of it. And yes, yeah, so the fly Gary is a- absolutely a magic mushroom. There's a couple of stories about where it gets its name. I know the one I believe. <laughs> Some people are like, oh, it can deter flies. I'm like, eh, eh. <laughs> witches. <laughs> kind of autumn time kind of the time that we we head into Samhain basically uh, which is our Halloween um that we celebrate today 
and they tend to grow under birch trees. And what the witches would do, or the wild women at that time of year, actually at that time of year, that was really their new year. So we celebrated like January the 1st, actually because they looked to nature and they observed nature, they seen that as the beginning of the death of the year. So what they would do was they would head to the birch trees and they would make bees and sticks, which is a broomstick from the wood of the birch. Uh, because the birch is the tree of renewal so that really signified kind of new kind of clearing the way and ready for the new kind of things to come through in the new year and they would sweep the energy with the with the bees and sticks and as a ritual together and as they did this they would find the fly agaric growing underneath the, the birch trees and of course they would experiment with the, the medicine of the fly garlic um, and there's different types of medicine. The one that I'm specifically talking about now is the one that they would use in kind of shamanic practice. So that's kind of, I don't recommend it by the way, <laughs> as a way to kind of go, go and get getting off your head or anything like that. Just as a little disclaimer, it can fry your liver if you're not careful, okay? So yeah, but they would expert explore the, the medicine and shamanic practice. And of course, uh, anybody who knows anything about that kind of uh, thing, the effects can make you feel like you're kind of flying. <laughs> Here are the witches with their bees and sticks, feeling like they're flying. <laughs> and that's where we get the idea that witches could fly on broomsticks. Because, of course, like anybody else who goes and has a good party and takes something really interesting, they'll go and tell their mates about it afterwards and be like, wow, I was flying. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> I love that story so much. Yeah, and also where you get the name Fly Agaric as well. So, and also that reindeers as well. There's another little thing that um, so people would kind of get the reindeers to to eat to eat them first, and then they would drink the pee of the reindeers because they basically use it as like a filter. Uh, like a filtration system, filter out any of the really bad toxins so they would get less of a hangover. Apparently they also did that with women too. They made the women get the bad hangovers and then drank the women's Wow. Um, but yeah, it would make the reindeer, reindeers fly as well. And that's where we get the idea that reindeers can fly. <laughs> often, you see those mushrooms often in Christmas like images as well, don't you? So yeah, because of the same kind of thing. Sorry, total thank yeah. you. Total distraction. So you were yeah. using, but but I think interesting. So, you were using you were finding them for your sister. Yeah. So basically the med the there's another way to use this uh without getting off your head. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's lots of amazing chemicals and medicine in the phytogaric mushroom. And um, actually the toxic chemicals are really easy to just process out, and then it actually becomes one of the the best medicines you can find um, for sciatica. Um, it's a really good sciatic medicine, been used for thousands of years for sciatica. Um, and lots and lots of people are coming back to that as a medicine now and, got, and noticing the difference, like how amazing it is. So not only does it, it is it a painkiller for sciatica, it actually heals the sciatica as well, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and it's a lot to do, it has a lot to do with the neurotransmitters um, in our brains and things. 
I won't go too much into the science of it but yeah so basically all you need to do you can actually eat this mushroom as well which is another thing that a lot of people don't know so you can make your medicine out of it you can there's there's a whole process to get it right um internally um if you wanted to take it as a medicine internally so I would consult a real herbalist if you wanted to do it that way but as an external sciatic pain medication and healing medication it's really easy you literally just have to forage it give it a little brush down chop it up pop it in a jar with some alcohol high alcohol like vodka or rum um leave it there for six weeks drain it out pop it into some dark bottles and then you put literally only put like two or three drops on your spine and rub it in and then yeah so you're making a tincture basically the tincture yeah yeah that's the fly agaric amanita muscaria tincture um external tincture so that's not one that we would go into just to make sure i get that out there. <laughs> um but yeah yeah and it's it's really really effective medicine for sciatica and then we can eat it as well so we just have to process the toxins out one of the toxins you just need to it's like water soluble so you just boil it in some water keep getting rid of that water and boiling some fresh water until the water is clear it'll turn red once it starts running clear you know that you've got rid of all of that and then the next one you just it's destroyed by heat so you just have to fry it really well in a pan on a high heat and then you can eat it and then it's uh, one of the nicest tasting mushrooms you can eat again something our ancestors would not have wasted an opportunity with it's a really really good mushroom it tastes good so that's so interesting because I live really close to birch forest so that I was finding like loads of like rustlers and Mm. like different belit- how do you say belit or belet how do you say it belit belit yeah, yeah. I thought it, was it, comes from, it comes from the uh the latin name belitus okay yeah, yeah. I was saying mm. belit, but everyone's like oh, my family right it's belet I'm like no yeah <laughs> um, so we're finding like loads of them but there were loads of fly garricks and it was so interesting because there we were and I knew a lot more than the majority of people by this point because I'd read so many books and we were looking at these fly garricks and the children were holding them because I think that's something else like we believe like we can't even touch mushrooms right like it's crazy the children were holding them and this older couple walked past and they were like don't touch them don't touch them they're toxic you need to go and wash your hands and there's just so much certainty behind what they were saying and I, I just smiled I wasn't going to get into it with them I was just like oh you know thank you all right thank you and um you know, it's just so interesting for me, actually, how ingrained it is. And I had to work through it. And I know everyone, you know, I'm teaching, I mean, I've created a community, coming back to community, called The Mothership, where women are coming together to come back to the earth. And a lot of them, and they'll be listening to this, hi, but I'm totally getting them to listen to this. <laughs> love you. But, you know, a lot of them are like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't bring myself to trust myself around the mushrooms. And I've been there. I've totally been there. We have got so much fear around it. And I've overcome it now. And I have come, I was telling you, like I've, I've eaten 15 mushrooms now since September. And I just, I trust myself implicitly to know now through the processes, you know, I have a very strict kind of process I get to before I'll eat one, but I trust myself. And it's so fascinating for me. And I think it's all part of the story and interwoven with the witches, you know, the the wise women and how they they like worked so hard to stamp them out. And they've worked so hard to stamp out our belief in nature to the point where it's not just a we don't believe it works, but there's actually huge amounts of fear 
like a big part of my business, I don't know if you know, but is with doTERRA essential oils. Mm. And the amount of people who say to me, I'm so scared to use them. I'm really, really scared. And yet they're going off like downing aspirin and like eating McDonald's. This is no judgment because I know this is just how society has set us up, you know, eating McDonald's and bleaching their baths. And, you know, I'm like, I, I get it. I get it. I get your fear. But it's so sad, you know, that we've come to that. And this is this is your work. This is so many women's work right now, which I love. I love that like so many women are coming together to to rise like this is really what the podcast is about, like raising that feminine and bringing back the balance and bringing us back to our old ways. But it's, it's, it, it really is. It's a remembrance as opposed to like a weird alternative. Yeah. And I just, Absolutely. yeah, I feel that in everything you're saying. And it's just yeah. beautiful. Yeah, that's like a big part of like the journey as well. So, you know, like going on this wild woman journey that I've been on as well, I have learned to trust myself. And it's also, it kind of raises that awareness that we are all taught not to trust women, um, not to trust women's intelligence. And therefore, we don't trust ourselves because we are women. <laughs> so we, and we don't trust women. <laughs> so, and it's it's just ingrained so deeply, isn't it? It's not until you start to explore it and unpick it that you realise, oh, hang on a minute, that's not true. I don't need to believe that anymore. I can believe something new, um, uh, something that feels more aligned with me. And, you know, and yeah, what feels right. It's aligned um, with truth, ultimately. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. This is the truth. And that that's what I love about it so much. I love seeing other women go through that as well and sharing their stories and how how they're growing out of that too. And it's just, yes, yes, you know you're on the right path when you start hearing those stories. Um, you know you're doing good. <laughs> Definitely. Do you who who are the women that you find like tend to come to you? Are they women that, you know, are already already into foraging and like know loads of stuff or or are they women that are starting to hear those whisperings or maybe it's a mixture but starting to hear those whisperings and and are looking for guidance yeah yeah it is a mixture actually I would think more the people that are hearing the whisper and the call for the first time and then I just happen to fall into their path at the same time. And then they're like, right, there's something in that. That that's a good, that's a big coincidence. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, and then they just go down that path. But there is other people in there as well who already have a lot of foraging knowledge who just like they've come and joined the the membership because they just need to be that in that wild women community. And yeah, we're all on like slightly different paths, really. And I'm the same, you know, I'm nowhere near perfect. I don't think there is such thing as perfect. I think we're always growing and we're always learning and and it will always be that way. And the more we share that and we don't pretend to be what something we're not, the more we're going to help each other on, on our paths together. So we just do a lot of that kind of thing, really. So the, the um, two questions. Um, talk a little bit more about the community and what you do, but also... I'm interested to know, uh, have you observed the experience of these women as they go on this journey and the kind of shifts it creates in their lives? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got like um, a lot of people, a lot of women who who are still on that journey who I met at the beginning when I first started doing this. 
and they're constantly sharing along the way so like just in got in mind some people who found it hard to share to to speak to use their voice at first and then just using our circle time to explore why that is so never actually speak and we you know in in circle sharing circle we don't nobody's forced to speak it's it's literally it's all invitational it's just if it feels right for you have have a chat if it doesn't sit back and that's it so they use that time for the first few circles maybe to just explore why can't I find my voice and then eventually feeling enough courage to use their voice and then there might be some tears that come with that and a big release and then after that just finding more finding that every time that we have circles they're they're putting their hand up and they're speaking and and it just starts flowing naturally and it's like yes 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 you know you've got this bit inside here that knows it's a win but (laughs) that's it I I I I know that feeling like I hold sometimes hold like cacao circles for women and just anytime women, and even if I'm not holding it, anytime you sit in circle with women, I have so much experience of it now. I know what to expect. But when you see new women come into a space like that, that they've never been in before, they 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 find it initially very difficult to open because our experience of being with women is one of judgment. And yeah, like comparison. Yeah. It's like that, you know, and betrayal ultimately if we're going back to the times of you know when the women were betraying each other to save each other's their own lives during the, the witch hunt so we have this this ingrained feeling and then when women come to circle and they see that and feel that connection and openness and no judgment and you know wanting to to share and to love and the abundance of that feeling it's very overwhelming for them initially and a lot of women I see them hold like holding the tears back because they don't feel mm-hmm. safe and then suddenly they're like I am safe yeah. and that release it's just so incredible absolutely that's just reminded me of another little like kind of thing that I see a lot as well is this urge that we as women have when we do cry to apologize uh, I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry and it is it's heartbreaking because we all know where that comes from don't we we've all been shamed for crying uh, since being children and told that we shouldn't do it and had a bit of toxic positivity laid on top of it (laughs) you're fine you're fine there's nothing wrong with you (laughs) and to get to the point of just crying unapologetically and yes I'm crying I don't give a shit (laughs) you know and that is so nice to see you know people shift from that and I love doing it myself you know I I apologize the first in my first circle for crying oh I don't know anyone and I'm crying in front of everyone and and yeah I just absolutely love crying unapologetically it's so empowering it's so freeing I love it (laughs) it's so good and I love like when I I see the women doing that for the first time and I just love going over to them and holding them and crying with them and like you know crying for for them in that moment the joy of it as well as the sadness you know it's just it's such a beautiful thing and like I feel emotional talking about Mm. it but yeah it is it's it's really you know that's true for men too though you know that being told that you know you're all right don't cry don't cry here do you want this like Mars bar or whatever people do I don't know to like push the feelings down but yeah for women to have that experience so they come so your community is there's a live community it's um I've got I've got it online 
and real tell us about it tell us about them so yeah I started the the real walks I think that's back to actually the original thing that I was saying so I went for a walk one day and uh, I was looking this little bit of a magic story so I went and I was looking for the flyer Garrick's and I was getting really frustrated that I wasn't finding any and I just stopped and I was like right come on Forrest tell me where these flyer Garrick's are and as I said that I heard like this horn noise come from the forest to my left and I was like what was that and I, I was listening out for it and I could hear it in the distance, just like this horn. And I was like, that's really weird. I looked in that forest and it was really dark. And I was like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> and I totally ignored it. And I carried on walking up to the top. And I got up to the top and there was this beautiful lake and there was like golden leaves everywhere. And I looked at trees and I was like overwhelmed with the beauty of it. It was like getting to golden hour. There was dappled shade everywhere. And I just picked up my phone and I went on Facebook Live and I was like, who's coming on a walk with me next week? Um, <laughs> we're going to have women's circles. I'll make hot chocolate, la, la, la. And um, everyone was just like, me, 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 me. And it just started. It just went from there. I just felt the energy of this place. And I just got this overwhelming feeling that I was meant to bring other women here. And I needed to tell them straight away, that's what we're doing. Anyway, so the week after, I'd I had some women meeting me. We went for our first circle. We got to that point again. I went an hour before to do my recce. I was on my own. Got to that point where I heard the horn the week before and I heard it again. And I was like, right, I'm going in this time. I'm feeling brave. And I went into this forest and it was just the most magical forest I've ever seen in my entire life. There was giant parasols like this big everywhere. There was a beautiful stream. There was wooden steps. There was like, oh my God, it was just the most beautiful thing. And guess what was there? <laughs> I can guess. Raya Garrick's. <laughs> Amazing. And I was like, this is where we're holding our circle. And from then on, we like for the next year, I just took women into that forest. And that was our sacred spot in, in amongst the conifers on the floor, just like drinking and round like just, yeah, we did forest bathing in there near the stream and all these beautiful things, lots of empowering women's meditations. We had sound healing in there and we heard the forest play drums back to us. And it was just like, there was some insane stuff going on. It was amazing. And um, yeah, it's been a magical, magical thing. And then we've just explored uh, new lands since then. Then we go all over, we've gone to beach gatherings and we follow the the wheel of the year. So at each point we'll, we'll celebrate something either in the forest or on the beach. We just had a winter solstice, so I did. I ran my first retreat, and we had a winter solstice retreat just locally, actually, um, in Gisborne and Dunstill, a beautiful glamp site there called Baby Moon. It was freezing, <laughs> but we all did. We all loved it. We all did really well. It was it was a gorgeous, gorgeous weekend. Definitely want to do more retreats. I'm going to give myself longer than six weeks to organise the next one, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was insane but um but yeah yeah and then so we've got I've got my I've got my wild women wild roots Facebook group which has 1.2 members now 1.2k members that's growing out every day there's lots of women joining there every day so feel free to go and join that's my free group I like to have different layers because I've been in the um voluntary sector and I ran my own community group and it breaks you it breaks people and I, and I, and I think there's a, a huge flaw there I also have come to the realization that women deserve paying for their skills not 
giving it away for free all the time so I've got a new like concept about what what this looks like so I am a business because I deserve to be paid um <laughs> I'm all for and, that yeah no no I'm, I'm learning every day and I'm getting better at it but I also believe other women should be paid so like I have one employee and she's paid 12 pound an hour she's been paid 12 pound an hour from the start and that is just like going forwards nobody getting any less because I'm just like you deserve it you've got this far in life you've got so many beautiful skills and gifts you deserve to be valued for it so you have this voluntary say of the the this free group so that's like this is I my new system is to have it tiered so I've got like my social media channels and like this Facebook group as well so I'll put free content in there for people I do Facebook stories and uh save them to my highlights so there's always free content for people then I do my walks foraging walks and my wild women walks so you can pay to kind of go a bit deeper with me and then I have my online thing as well because I we have people who obviously aren't local can't go on any of the walks however if you are local and you just want to be part of like a really connected wild women group where we have lots of lots of tuition so there's me doing the, the foraging of the plants and things but then we've got Weaver Jo as well. She's our fungi expert and she teaches all about the mushrooms. And then we've got um, an artist as well who teaches us nature journaling skills in there. We've got Nikki who does like wild writing, um, uh, creative writing workshops and journaling. And, and then Rachel, who's my employee as well, like she's just helps with everything. And then she also has a lot of fantastic knowledge about the wheel of the year and the moon cycles and things which she shares in there, as well as her plant knowledge and medicine and things like that. So there's lots of stuff going on. And we do online women's circles there as well. So yeah, it's just like lots of little, lots of stuff going on just to make it as accessible as possible. Is that on Facebook as well? The, the yes, group? memberships on Facebook as well, the paid group, yeah. 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 No, amazing. I'll link all of that up in the show notes so people Thank can you. find it if they want to. So yeah, lots of, lots of strings to your bow, but all centred around your kind of core beliefs, which you stated at the beginning, those three things. Say them again, like I liked it. I, I can't remember them exactly. Oh, yeah. So it's just um, how to connect to ourselves, yeah. to each other and the earth. Beautiful. Really beautiful. Love that. <laughs> okay. So my last question for you, I've absolutely loved this conversation. But <laughs> yeah. What, what, what would you like to be your legacy? Like when you've gone and we know we're not, I've had conversations. I've had, I've asked this question to some women and they were like, oh, I don't really like thinking about death. I know that's not a problem for you now. No, okay. yeah, no, um, it's yeah. a really interesting question. I like yeah. that. I actually, you know, I hear we hear so many women making themselves smaller. And I I just like as you spoke that that question I could hear all the voices of these lovely women go oh I don't want anything I don't want to nobody should know me when I die. I don't want fame or anything like that so I'm gonna say I want everybody to know who I was <laughs> you know like I think and just to lead the way that and show the women that oh, we're important and I want I wish I had more stories of women growing up amazing women strong women like goddesses women who could do shit and I think that's what I want for the future so like I think any woman out there who's making change in history in society in their community 
their stories need to go on and lots of people need to be talking about about them for centuries to come so yeah make me big (laughs) you're gonna be big you're gonna be known for sure I love that you're right you're right so a lot of women do answer (laughs) so what are you going to be known for specifically um Hmm. Hard to say. I guess healing is the first thing that comes. Yeah, just my core values again, you know, just hopefully I just reached my goal and I got everybody to that place and I brought more healing to ourselves, each other and the earth. Beautiful, beautiful. (laughs) I think we just have to end there because that's perfect. I just love that. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Me too. So there we have that lovely conversation with the truly lovely Lucy. I cannot wait to meet her in person. You can find everything about Lucy in the show notes. She's created a link tree where you can find out about her women's sunset walks, her sunrise walks, her moonrise walks all the incredible wild women walks she does as well as her foraging walks connect to her via her newsletter and the Facebook group that she mentioned and I've also connected you to her Instagram page which I don't believe is in her link tree in the show notes as well which is where I follow her and she does some great stories that are in her highlights that you can follow. I hope you enjoyed listening If you're new here, welcome. As always, it would be an absolute honour if you were to share this episode with somebody that you know or on your social media if you feel called to. Subscribe on Apple Podcast or follow the podcast on Spotify so you get notified of new episodes I sit in so many beautiful conversations with women in this space. For now though, until next week when I get to introduce you to one of my favourite women in the world. She has finally sat down with me in conversation in this podcast. I cannot wait to share that with you next week. The beautiful, unstoppable force that is Mary Taylor. But for now, have have a wonderful week and I will see you in the space again really soon. Much love.